Good day. This is Michael Muth of Going Global International Interviews. Uh, today we're speaking with David Weinstein, president of the Chicagoland Entrepreneurial Center, and Kapil Choudhary, a director at the Chicagoland Entrepreneurial Center. We're speaking with David and Kapil today about um, outsourcing software development to Russia. If you would like to see edited transcripts of this interview, you can find them at intlalliances.com and midwestbusiness.com. All right, we are on, and the activity is up. So we might as well jump right into it. Um, what have you done or what would you like to do to serve your small business customers internationally? Well, I think what, what's happened is over the last two years, one, as we, you know, as we get a sense of the barometer of needs for small emerging businesses, two trends have emerged, healthcare and international trade. Mm -hmm. And so we have to pay attention as we provide direct one-on-one -on -one services to entrepreneurs that are very focused on client development and financing. Mm -hmm. We need to be, pay attention to macro trends that are affecting these businesses. And like mm -hmm. I said, healthcare has emerged, we've got a separate thing for that. And this notion of international trade, has de I, I, I'm sorry, is, uh, it's more about globalization and taking advantage of global trends in the marketplace. So there's a couple ways of looking at this. Number one, when you're running a business, the notion of reducing the cost side of the equation um, is where the whole notion of offshoring and outsourcing fits in the market. The other side of the coin here, which is a piece of this puzzle, is access to global markets to sell products into. So I don't want people to think that this is just about helping small businesses develop global partners to reduce their costs. It's also about them having think, act, thinking, acting locally but thinking globally about uh, creating new markets for their products. A lot of this was crystallized in my mind after going to Russia this summer. Um, well, I mean, just for your information, I get into that a little bit later okay, in terms of the questions and stuff. So, okay. you know, we either deal with it now or then. No, but, later, that's fine. Okay. Um, now, so in other words, have you guys done much either to help small companies source or access new markets, or is it still pretty much in the formulation? It's in the formation phase. However, there are two companies that we are working with. Uh, one is a digital audio company, and the other is. A, um, a hand is a, uh, it's an accessories manufacturer, and both those companies, which are our clients, mm -hmm. um, take advantage of outsourcing their entire product development, uh, both in China. Well, now, when you say accessories, is that technology accessories or purchase? Okay. Care to mention their names? Yeah, sure. Yeah. One of them is Maddie Powers, which is a retailer, mm -hmm. and the other is Neurosaudio. I hope it's on there because I didn't hear it for everybody. Which one? Um, you want me to say again? Yeah, oh, could you spell them? Uh, Maddie, M A D D I E, Powers. P O W E R S. Yeah, which is uh, um, a purse and an accessories retailer. Okay. And the other is Neuros, N E U R O S, Audio. Okay. Got it. So we've actually watched these two companies that have, uh, on the retail side, they would be out of business if they didn't outsource their purses and manufacturing in China. And that's actually one of the things that they've taught us is how they set up that relationship in finding uh, um, an import agent 
So we're learning the pieces of the puzzle, and now we're seeing more and more companies that are beginning to ask us, what is the first step towards creating a relationship offshore? And a lot of it has to do with finding a good broker agent that can represent that, that can help you uh, kind of. So that's one of the things that we've learned. Neuros Audio, they manufacture very sophisticated, and they have done an excellent job of manufacturing their, their uh, both their products offshore, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and it's a core competence of their business, actually. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, those are two companies we're working with, and here's the next piece of the equation. We, about a year and a half ago, as a result of a meeting at the Mayor's Council of Technology Advisors, um, we got a presentation on the what was going on with outsourcing. And instead of looking at it as a negative, uh, we as the Mayor's Council looked at the opportunities that, uh, that outsourcing provided. So we tried to look at the paradigm differently. You mentioned outsourcing, everybody gets all nervous, right? So we actually, Lyle Technology Partners, who did that seminar, uh, presented a report on outsourcing. Along with Field Lab. Fieldquest? Fieldquest. Fieldquest. Okay. But, but I'm talking about the mayor's company, oh. tech advisors, and Lyle brought it to the assessment. Anyway. Um, yeah, well, I, I got you on that. Um, and one of the things that came up in this meeting, which was very interesting, was instead of saying, oh, we're losing business to outsourcing and offshoring, how do we prepare the emerging entrepreneurs in town for at least creating you got it. Okay. Shoot the field, as you were saying? Okay. So we, we've been creating this report. We tried to study other companies, and, and we just tried to study the landscape. Excuse me. So there is a report, you said? We drafted a program, an initiative, that we're, when we were looking to identify whether or not to create a program around it to actually service, uh, service like a support network to help emerging companies really go through the offshore strategy. And what we saw is that we we, still, we talked to suppliers overseas of offshoring, and his, one of the problems that emerging companies face is, is there's a lot of risk involved, mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear and uncertainty, because the established players normally wouldn't work with emerging companies. It's not really a big business opportunity for them. There's an emerging company, you might only have to do things. There's only certain things that you feel comfortable doing offshore. You, you would just want to do it on a project-by-project basis. But any of the big companies there, they wouldn't take it because they're getting clients, 95% of Fortune 1000 companies offshore. So it's providing a much bigger source of revenue. Our goal um, in trying to see the person the supplier market is to see that if they would say that from an organization like ourselves to see that if there was a, as we, as we talked about, possibly consortium in play, to say that if there are enough emerging technology companies in the group that the goal is that these companies are going to grow, that if we could get established players that we could validate to say that they would take on projects on a, on a limited basis with some of the emerging companies, and for their side, to think that development, these companies are eventually going to grow and be much bigger and getting a foot in the door. We found the, we found the suppliers that we talked to, and this was a limited list, we wanted to go forward and identify the demand on the consumers. They were very receptive. We talked to people in we talked to people in in Petersburg that they met with. Um, they were talking to fucking business people. <laughs> <laughs> um, they family publication. They were very receptive as well as people in, people over in India to say that if they if they could get companies that we validated that these weren't just 
some startup that had no potential, mm-hmm. that they would work with them mm-hmm. and, and on a limited basis. So our next step was to say, is there, is there a demand out there? So what things have you guys been doing to validate the demand? In other words, you did the seminar. We did the seminar. Well, we had follow-up with some services. We had followed up with every company as well. Well, but I mean, there were what, 25, 30 people in the room? Yeah. I mean, what kind of numbers are you looking for to validate the demand? Well, I think that's a good question. I, I think the answer is probably uh, we need to see the fit. I mean, here, I'll, I'll break it as far down. If there are five companies, real technology companies, that have you know, in excess of 20 potential jobs, this, that's something meaningful, and that's something to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's probably less than you thought. But yeah. we think, uh, I have a firm belief, don't say that you are everything, everyone, because it's not true. Oh. So if we yeah. can find a couple companies that have true demands, and I'll give you an example, there's one company named SDI, it's got 70 employees, you can't print his name in the, in the article, but he's got 70 employees, and he will tell you right now, he is doing more application development in-house, paying people $90,000. He is looking to get a $3 million contract with government, and he is going to do the entire development of that project offshore. That's a defined project. That's new. We need to build up some, some track record on this stuff here. And what we don't want to do is launch something that's beyond our ability to execute on it. So anyway, demand for us is meaningful, I would call discrete projects or discrete things that we can actually bid out and help make the connections on. Now, go ahead. So for this guy, can you guys help him right now, mm-hmm. or is it still hypothetical? Well, one of the ways, of, uh, it's not hypothetical, one of the things we can do with him is at that meeting there are three companies, both Quinox, Fieldglass, and Lyle Technology Partners, at least on the Indian front, that can serve as conduits and have agreed to make the appropriate introductions where possible to, into the Indian network on specific projects. Okay, so what's happening with this company is he's in hovering mode until he gets the contract and then he's going to propose it. Okay. And in these kind of arrangements, how expensive is it to work through people like Lyle Technology Partners, um, so on and so on? In other words, does that... There's no program Okay, so in other words, it doesn't cost a small entrepreneur anything to work through these folks in terms well, of any kind of intermediary so, fees. So, so let's go back. So our lab technology, they serve as, as, as you know a lot of technology. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to meet with the Darsh in two weeks. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so good. So, so lab technology does, basically they do outsource development for, for emerging companies in the area. And what they'll do is, They'll have a project manager here and they'll offshore the work. So essentially they're doing the work here. I mean the work is as far as the company's perspective is saying, I'm getting my work done by Lyle Technology. Lyle Technology is getting their work done on a basis by with their resources and So I mean it, But it's just they don't do that for free. No, they don't do that. No, so that's part of what I mean that's how they make money. I mean they will obviously one of the benefits of going up from like that is they're going to charge less because they're going to offshore the product. True. Right. True. But, but in other words, though, it would be even cheaper if small companies were able to make those connections directly themselves. It's just everything no. that it takes to do that. Well, there's, there's not a ton of... There's, there's a lot of infrastructure that I would be set up. I mean, at the, no same, at the same level, they're going to be hiring people there, so 
it, it seems to cost. So while technologies might be a good fit for some companies and for others it's not. You're right. Well, and I guess I'm talking perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because realistically, knowing for a small company to go in and do this themselves, it's got to be a horrible resource drain. Right. So, I mean, so let's a bunch of time all that. So let's stuff. so let's talk about the companies that we're talking about. It's gotten to the point in for and again, I want to make sure that this discussion is not just germane to technology companies. It covers we we do cover other. Uh, companies, so you need to be aware of that. But specific high-growth technology companies that are right now competing and they are doing application development locally are going to be in trouble if they don't change and they don't change the cost structure. So you will ask if you go talk to many VCs when they interview companies for funding, they will require you to have an offshore component. Now, have, have, you, have you run into that here in Chicago in the Midwest, or is it just a West Coast phenomenon? It's, it's being. Uh, go ask Tom Churchwell, go ask any VC that is going to put money in a company, if they are developing that, that application and they do not have some offshore component, you know, they, it's a strike against them when raising venture capital. So, we're trying to prepare the market, we're trying to prepare companies for that, but not only that, there are, I mean, there is going to be competitive threats occurring in the market that have not occurred yet. We have Tata, Infosys, Winco, these big companies. Ready? What have they chose not to do? They are selling into huge companies. When they start moving downstream, the pressure on many of the firms in this town that sell into that market is going to be intensified uh, if they don't have a reduced cost structure. I'll just, I can give you an example in government. You know, if you take a look at a bid, right, and I, I, I can't give you a specific, but you're talking 80 to 150% cost saving differential between an offshore company for the same product and service compared to local. And, it, you know, it, there's a time at which, you know, companies, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of pricing pressure. Well, I mean, if you've got a cost differential of 150%, that means you're paying them. Uh, no, what I mean by 150% is somebody builds uh, somebody bids the work at $30,000, another person bids the firm at... Three? No, 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 100, 100% over, 150% over the next bid. Oh, okay. So $75,000, whatever, that's what I meant by that. Got it, yeah. I've, I've heard of, like, a small company, like, I mean, there's not a new company that they said, they, it's more of a public service, but they're providing a service like concept 15 so let us tell you one of the things that we've learned that was that we learned won't work. Okay. You'll find that interesting. There, we originally thought that by pooling the purchasing power of small businesses, they'd be able to represent a big enough pool, if you will of a project to attract a big offshore to partner with that consortium, that doesn't seem to go over well in the marketplace. So we have, it sounded good in theory, but in practice, uh, it, that would be very hard to do. There'd be a huge administrative, how do you pull all the demand and the management of that? Sounded good. It was strategic sourcing, if you will, more outsourcing. I had my questions about it. Yeah. I answered about it. Yeah. So, you know what? It was an idea. Um, if you talk to the global side, they love it, obviously. Um, 
put it, I think it, um, I, I, I can tell you today that probably ain't going to happen. What looks like it's going to happen more and more if you went to that thing is the notion of project-based engagement. Okay, so what... Well, I mean, I think going further that talking about the companies and I agree with David on that is I don't think it's going to be as formal of a pooling. But I think the, the way that the pooling would work is if companies, all the companies that respond with feedback saying that we're not ready to go out there and set up our own center. And that wasn't, I think that was miscommunicated as a goal to what we were trying to do and what was being conveyed. So you had two companies who actually went out there and set up their own center. We weren't imagining that emerging companies were going to go and set up their own center there. We were going to say, we, our, our goal was that, that they were going to start to do things initially on a project-by-project -project basis. Mm -hmm. Once they grew to the level of a company like Fieldglass that, that has intense operations and is doing a lot of post, posting and application development, that then at that point it might be more cost-effective to have their own center versus using somebody, as you said, like allow technology mm -hmm. to okay. do that. So if it's pulling and saying to, to suppliers overseas that you're going to receive a constant source of companies from the emerging, mm -hmm. from the Chicago area, and you're going to do it at a reduced rate, or you're going to take in companies that you normally wouldn't take in, mm -hmm. in a sense, it's an informal pooling of that. Okay. So, that well, so I guess in this environment or in this service offering, what exactly will be the Chicago Land Entrepreneurial Center's role? In other words, are you going to be getting a clearing house? Yeah. That's what we do now. So it's a natural offshoot now. Um, and that, that is exactly what we would never own the process because we're not actually fit. What we would do is what we do with all entrepreneurs. We would help them navigate and connect to the right resources to get the thing. It's very inefficient if you're an entrepreneur to figure this one out without some help in navigating what's out there. And that's what we're going to do. And in that regard to be a connector among local small firms with other companies like Lyle Technology who connect you with the Indian folks, or are, you're not going to go directly. No, we are. We are. are going? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's no way we're going to connect all these. Listen, Lyle, I mean, and I hear where you're headed. Lyle is a great friend. Uh, a Darsh helped educate us on this issue. We're not in this to enrich a Darsh. However, a Darsh has <laughs> been wonderful pro bono and helping us educate the market on this thing. But we're going to go direct, I mean, in many circumstances. That's why when I went to Russia, I met with four direct outsourcing venues in Russia in St. Petersburg. I'll wait till we get down there. But, and I, no, let's jump into it right now. You know, I, I was blown away in my trip to St. Petersburg. Just, just, okay, what took you to Russia? Um, women. No. <laughs> You're a very nerdy. I went to Russia. Could be. I went to Russia for two reasons. One, um, uh, my best, you know, I travel out of the country. I generally try to go out of the country every year with my friends in college. We had picked St. Petersburg because we hadn't been there and we had heard how wonderful it was. And then I, when we were evaluating cities, I realized I could merge some business there because this is outsourcing thing. Russia, St. Petersburg is the largest outsourcing component of, if you will, Eastern Europe. Uh, they control that whole, you know, Swedish rim, and they do much of the offshoring work in Eastern Europe and Western Europe. Uh, St. Petersburg is known as the hot spot. You've got China, India, and St. Petersburg. And what's interesting about my trip to St. Petersburg was learning the differences between St. Petersburg and India. So India, you've got a much younger workforce, 
and they are doing way more task-oriented projects. In other words, let me be clear, more back office applications and stuff like that. Well, guess what? In Russia, the average worker age is like 28 in these companies. 50% of the workforce are women, and 50% of the workforce hold PhDs. So guess what kind of applications they're doing? They're doing more front-end, client-facing applications, more complicated applications in many ways. And I don't want to create a war between Pinterest for India. India has just done an excellent job. But there are some differences in the marketplace. You have way more people coming out of aero defense and uh, the government. In India, you got teenagers, right, in many circumstances. And anyway, I was blown away by the fact that Nokia does much of its development for its WAP wireless application profile in Russia. So um, I got a chance to meet with four companies, watch their methodology, got to see how they, um, and what's interesting is they're taking old weapons facilities and they're now kind of software hotels, you know, where they got all their employees. Uh, and I was really blown away by it. And I was blown away by the traction that these companies were getting, and their greatest challenge was obviously access to markets, right? Mm -hmm. okay. uh, so, anyway. Well, I mean, these four companies that you work with, did they have any particular specialization? Yeah. yeah. yeah great question. Well, uh, in, in front-end, client-facing applications, one of the companies... So it's just GUI web interface? Yeah, in many ways. But but let me give you an example. In... Um, um, God, in my head. Um... Oh, CRM apps, so they had some specialty in CRM apps. Uh, they had uh, specialty in EAI applications specifically around wireless. So I was blown away with, with, with they were further upstream complicated type of app, application development. Um, and then one of them was strictly focused, and much like in India, uh, on back office kind of uh, um, solutions. One of them was a pure .NET shop that I went to. So I did find some specialties. Okay. Well, if you talk about connecting entrepreneurs here with essentially developers in a lot of other places, matching up the, you know, the, the skill set expertise is just as important. And in a way, if you go to a lot of different countries, it makes it that much more complicated. Yep. So you know, I'm curious how you were working that out. I mean, for example, if you have companies here in Chicago, you know four companies you can go to in Russia right now for these particular application areas. Yeah. I assume you're going to want to serve more than companies that deal with these so, particular So you're asking areas. some very good questions. So let me just cut you off with the passions. We are not going to be the experts, and I don't want that quoted. Yeah. But um, we, um, it's not our job to know everything about that other market. Our entrepreneurs need to do a hell of a lot of work here. We're going to try to make it a lot easier, and I know that a component running a business, having run two companies, just making that meaningful connection to help you navigate is half the damn battle. You better do the due diligence, because here's the issue. Here. I am not about to represent the quality of work from partners in India, Russia, wherever. I don't ever want to get in that situation. That puts me in an uh, you know, in a errors and emission kind of liability. I'm not getting in there. So, but, but that's a good question, because... You know, that's what a lot of now, that's what a broker's supposed to do or something like that. So, whatever. Okay. Um, Good question, though. So, in terms of what results came out of your trip from Russia at this point? Well, we have four companies in Russia that uh, we have direct linkages to. We've had a couple conference calls with them. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, we're going to be making some introductions from some of our clients to them to see if something can work out. But one of the things, and I want to come back to this, we have yet still to, to define the market demand. And I think that's one of our great challenges. But as you know, part of defining the market challenge comes with evangelizing the market. If people don't know this resource exists, we don't know what the, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing. So, but we, on our end, one of the things we have to work on, he's got to work on, is defining the market demand. Um, um, well, I mean, my next couple of questions were, what did you learn there? Did you develop relationships to be useful? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get And here's the sweet story. The one, <laughs> the biggest company in Russia, um, one of the BD guys out there, he is from Chicago. And he, he moved out there, so we kind of connected. How'd you find him there? Yeah, you don't even want to know. He's <laughs> actually my landlord. Uh, <laughs> he rent apartments. I find out this guy used to work for CCT Information Systems. How it's all in those companies. Yeah. Small world. And that's in St. Petersburg, Russia? Yeah. No, the, the new company's working for it. Yeah. So he's the guy that I'm ending up renting a, an apartment from in Russia. And we start talking. He's like, I'm from Chicago. And he's the one who introduced me to this one company. Did you say the CCC information system? He used to work here years ago. Okay. So. I mean, they're big. They're kind of a Chicago success story. Yeah. So he worked there years ago. So. Okay. Alright, um, so from this, this new service you're going to be offering, who exactly is going to benefit and how? I mean, we've kind of already covered it, but just want to address it perfectly. No. I mean, from the side that it's going to be a merging technology company that has a need to do further development and they're looking to reduce the confidence. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think that we didn't mention, we're not telling the marketplace.